0: Quarantine Chronicles. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today is a special occasion. Today is April 13th, 2020. This is what we're calling the Quarantine Chronicles because unless you've been living under a rock for the past two months, the country and the world is uh, basically underneath probably one of the worst pandemics we've seen in at least our lifetimes um the COVID-19 coronavirus which has now left us to the point where we can't leave our homes so from remote locations we have Connor and Steve back on the show for the first time in about like a month or two months
1: yeah the three of us together yeah it's been quite the hiatus virtually together
0: yeah, I mean we're kind. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're together. I mean, we just can't like touch each other or stuff.
2: Well, we weren't really touching each other much prior to the quarantine, but yeah, definitely we. Can't yeah, that touch was pretty much other, a bill you know? thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> the price of working with somebody like Bill. You have to kind of expect, you know, total harassment within the workplace.
1: Kisses on the cheeks.
2: <laughs> yeah. Shit, you guys. fucking He's very wish. old school. Yeah, he's very old school. You wish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, So um, Connor is joining us back from Mars We should start there
0: Yeah, exactly So is what's this that I hear That you brought the purity virus back with you, Connor And that's essentially what this is
1: Mars was about to go on lockdown as well And I figured I'd be better off Doing the, the quarantine business back home Oh, okay So I might have brought a little virus with me But I mean, I don't think it's a big deal allegedly yeah allegedly
0: well at least you're back
1: home that's what i say fuck everybody else <laughs> <laughs> pretty much
0: so pretty much. um i guess let me start by saying that if you're listening to this podcast on the day that it comes out this has been 1 year since we started the show
2: whoa one- insert applause clip
0: yeah exactly <laughs> cue the applause go. We haven't quite gotten to that point yet. We're not we're not that um we're not that advanced or, you know, uh what's the word I'm looking for? We're not that, you know, far advanced in our production to where we can have shit like that on the fly.
2: But it is amazing to think though it's been one year and if you think when we started this a year ago, we would be one day sitting in our respective homes doing these recordings because we literally can't go out except for essential goods. I mean, it's pretty pretty amazing. I mean, even a couple months ago, who would have thought this would have been the case? Yeah, exactly. It's fucking wild, dude. It's fucking a, wild.
0: a lot has happened in this past year. You know, we've had some cool people on the show. We've had really fun topics. At least I think we've had fucking good topics. And you know, we've you know we've been to me- not physically been to many countries, but people in a lot of other countries are listening to our show and it's gone way beyond the tri-state area which we initially thought would be our normal reach
1: oh yeah i think it's i think it's clear that this this program has reached heights that will be remembered far longer than any of the artists we've discussed on this show
0: definitely there's definitely a few artists where i think our success would uh completely (laughs) eclipse theirs
2: I'm going to go on a limb, too, because I like to think in good karma and also, like, universal aspects of how things kind of come together. Like, you know, full disclosure here, I decided, you know, I got sober back in 2017. Ironically enough, the Eagles won their first Super Bowl that same year. It's incredible. Weird circumstance. All of a sudden, we start this podcast with an acronym that's similar to a band that everybody's been dying to reunite who, you know, without the foreseeable circumstances of the coronavirus reunited and we're playing shows. Yeah. Do I think it's a coincidence? I don't know, but it is just very very weird. I mean, I what I'm pretty much saying is we single-handedly are responsible for uh, rage against the machine reuniting.
1: Rage against the machine are a bunch of trolls. They fucking knew this virus was coming. They're like, "Oh yeah, we'll tour this year." $200 <laughs>
0: lawn seats, son.
1: Psych. Yeah, I think about all of those
2: presale tickets. Oh, my God. But anyway. But anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess during this whole thing, has anyone encountered new or anything new or interesting?
1: Um, The new Bush song, Flowers on a Grave, I thought was pretty good. I thought it was their best uh, single since their first comeback single, Sound of Winter. Did you yeah. like
0: that song, Baby Come Home, too? Oh, hell no. I didn't think it was horrible. Yeah, no.
2: no, I don't like it. they've
1: had they've had a couple really bad singles since since in the second run uh the the worst being probably mad love the first single from the last album black and white rainbows
0: yeah well it's funny
1: because gwen stefani breakup song
2: yeah well connor i mean you were showing me you (laughs) you were showing me like the b-sides to like razor blade suitcase you showed me that song old and it's funny because like I always like could go back to Sixteen Stone. Like Little Things is you know up there as like one of my you know top whatever ninety songs. You know I don't really put it anywhere above Nirvana or like Alice in Chains, but it's it's definitely up there. And uh, yeah, listen to the B sides of Razorblade Suitcase. I always forget that they have like albums before, and especially that album being their first one. Um, And I went back and listened to it, and it's it's fucking good, man. Like we talk about a lot of bands on here that are very commercially successful and you know, Bush in the small regard is like up there as one of those, but some of their older stuff, man, like that album I really never gave a lot of credit to and I
1: fucking started listening to it and it's, the th- it's fucking the good. thing is with Bush I agree. Bush got ignored in the UK because they weren't Brit pop and they didn't and because of that they weren't like Britain back then basically had like a state run like uh talent show to BBC six to top of the pops pipeline, where if you didn't go through like these official channels to get your band big, then you couldn't do it in Britain. And, and Bush said Bush were like 30 something. Like they were already like 30 when 16 stone came out. So like they were like journeymen and they kind of knew the industry and they said, fuck these assholes here. We're, we're just going to go over to America and fucking, do it like that and that's what they did they just toured nonstop for years and put out a bunch of singles never said no to opportunities and they they built themselves up see kids yeah, anything good. is possible absolutely absolutely Gavin, you're my inspiration so
0: um i guess since all this coronavirus thing happened and everything obviously we were supposed to record an episode or actually two episodes with um rj and danny from alica and, um, mm-hmm. since that obviously fell through because that just so happened to be the weekend that the fucking world decided it was going to end, um, yeah, just
2: closed down. Yeah. Just
0: shut down. Like, fuck it. And, yeah. you know, in hindsight, we probably could have done it that weekend, but the, you know, you know, like now knowing what we know now, like we could have, but of course everyone was scared then. And I don't, you know, I don't disagree with it. I, I was definitely worried too, but, um, since you know we've been kind of like on this break house arrest thing um i've been doing that whole like hanging with bill thing and i've got to interview a couple bands and um yeah i've heard some pretty cool stuff like that last band uh that i had on Zenora last week they're Mm -hmm. kind of like a throwback 70s band i don't know if you guys had heard the single that they put on that song sinner but they're um like, dude, they're they're a pretty cool sounding band. They they sound like a mix between like old Judas Priest and like Deep Purple and shit. And they're like from our area. They're from Gloucester County. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude. Um, they're called Zenora. Z E N O R A. If you guys get the chance to check them out, it's uh, they it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, it's not like super groundbreaking shit because it's kind of in that like like the way I explained it was like, it's. It's new enough to where it's like refreshing to hear it, but yet it's familiar enough to be nostalgic.
1: Well, I mean, back not to bring Bush back up again, but they're not groundbreaking, but they're still a great band. Exactly. Yeah, I think
2: that's the hardest thing, especially in this day and age. It's like you, you people try too hard to go to that groundbreaking sound, and it's just like if people aren't ready for the times, they're not going to really appreciate it. And we kind of all have the same music taste where it's like, yeah, we'll look for something new and exciting, but if you hear something that sounds familiar and is comforting, you know what I mean? Like it's, I, I'd rather hear that than something so far out of left field that's like trying too hard to be different, and it's just bad.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I
2: agree. World. Let's jump into on this day in mini
0: music history. I say mini because normally we do like 10 or 12 or more of things that happen in music history. Now we're going to keep it to a short and sweet under 10. Today we have six. Do you, would you like to lead us off, Connor? Yeah. Um.
1: In 1965, way before George Harrison hit it to the Super big leagues with um, "Ding Dong Ding Dong," the worldwide smash. The Beatles, his band before his solo career, won their first Grammy awards, taking Best New Artist and Best Performance by a Vocal Group for Hard Day's Night," which is also my favorite Beatles single, probably.
0: I don't mind "Hard Day's Night." Great
1: song, great song.
0: I'm partial it's, to Penny Lane. I,
1: yeah, that's a good choice. Um, that for, that opening chord in "Hard Day's Night," the uh, the John and Paul together, it's magic. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we give a lot of shit to the Beatles, but, you know, I was just mentioning with like their singles in general, if you just like take a whole catalog of their singles and you see like the range that the Beatles provided and given the time too, like they didn't really have much to go off of to kind of create that sound. I mean, as overrated as they are, they're still an enjoyable band like at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: there's no denying what they were able to accomplish back in this early, you know, in the early infantile stages of rock and roll. There's no denying it. And they are as important as, you know, they should be but I definitely yeah. feel like they get far too much credit than what yeah. they should.
2: Well, yeah. Cause I mean, well, like I said, we talk about bands like the Beatles with not having like much to go off of. If you think of like, the sound in the fifties and like even the forties, man, like you're talking about like the jazz scene into like, you know, the doo big band scene in the fifties. Then you have bands that came out later that kind of took what the Beatles are doing, like, you know, like Led Zeppelin and the who, and then they kind of spawned black Sabbath. But I mean, music quality wise, there's hundreds of bands I would pick to listen to over the Beatles, but I'll never deny how talented they were and how groundbreaking they were for their time. It's just, you know, Too much. you get someone who's really no. into the Beatles, you can't talk them out of them being the best band of all time. And it's
1: fucking yeah. frustrating. I second that. The, there'll always be a place in my heart for the Beatles, but maybe yeah. not a place in my uh, level of patience for yeah. listening to the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah
0: 1973 the whalers led by bob marley released their fifth studio album catch a fire the first album on their new label island records it makes marley and the whalers international recording stars and brings reggae music to the forefront
1: what's i called out of work one time to go see the whalers really yeah that's funny well, no, Bob Marley, obviously. But what's on? What, what songs
0: are on Catch a Fire? Do you know?
1: Uh, I just have Legend. I'm not sure. Hold on.
2: Well,
0: while Connor's looking that up, what do we have on going on in 1982, Steve? So
2: 1982, David Crosby uh, of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and well, sometimes Young, <laughs> is busted for free basing cocaine. Leading to a downward spiral that ends with him in the Dallas County jail. Um, So I recommended a while ago a Crosby Stills and Nash and Young album um, four way street, which was a live album. And it's funny cause I always like Crosby stills and Nash. Like my parents used to see them every time they came around Philly. Like they love Crosby stills and Nash. Yeah. And it's funny. Like I never really knew how fucked up David Crosby was, but there was this documentary, um, it's on Amazon prime. If you have a membership, I think it was free at one point. Now you have to buy it, but it's called David Crosby. Remember my name. Okay. Bro, he he was fucked up, man. He was fucked, up. and I couldn't believe like how fucked up he is. Because you listen to a lot of bands and you hear their sound and you assume like, you know, they're, they're part of the scene. They're probably d- smoking weed and doing things. But like David Crosby was like a stone cold addict, man. Like I, between heroin and crack, like he
1: was. Yeah, like, I did he was not know that out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, David Crosby was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Um but to to bring it back to Bob Marley to answer your question of Catch a Fire Bill, the the prominent tracks on that were Stir It Up and Concrete Jungle. Oh okay. Stir It Up, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, if only uh those days were still here. <laughs> yeah that
2: fucking coffee shop. What I would give Rest to go peace, back to those, those days. Those now
1: days now it's a pedophilic tomato pie place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: how many arguments did I get into with Maria? I'd stir It up. Yeah, <laughs> goddamn.
1: Yeah, uh, one or two. We
2: used to sit back there with my stepmom's blazer <laughs> blasting Pantera just to annoy the masses. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the yeah, everybody, movies.
1: everybody else there is all into like fucking death cab for cutie and fucking. Yeah. Remember that whatever, one time? The
0: there was
2: showing TV up with shit. that. Yeah, that leather CD book with all my albums in it that I had burned. <laughs> there was like <laughs> yeah.
0: I do remember this one time though. These like fucking preppy dudes or something showed up there. Like they're wearing like polo shirts and shit. And like, I think we were all like jumping around like primal concrete sledge or something. And like they like fucking like turn around like laughter some shit. And you were like, Steve, you were like, what the fuck's up? What the fuck's up? And they fucking turned around <laughs> and like walked away. And I was like, oh, shit.
2: I was probably 90% chance on cocaine at the time, too. <laughs> That's a huge possibility of why my attitudes were the way it was. Probably would have got my ass kicked, but I just... If I remember, too, you were fucking shirtless, anyway. We wouldn't have let that happen. Huh?
0: You were shirtless, too, if I remember correctly.
2: Quite possibly. It's so like these guys <laughs> know, like, what the Cocaine up? tends to raise the body temperature to uh, uncomfortable limits.
0: <laughs> they were probably, like, you what the fuck's <laughs> up <laughs> with Tarzan fucking jumping around to Pantera around
2: here? <laughs> with the hair, yeah. <laughs> the good old hair days, dude. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, yeah.
0: So, speaking of the good old days, Connor, what do we got going on here in 96?
1: Seconds before their first Saturday Night Live performance, and only Saturday Night Live performance, Rage Against the Machine's roadies place upside-down American flags on their amplifiers in a band-sanctioned protest of the American political system. Billionaire candidate Steve Forbes was hosting the show that night. The SNL crew quickly tears them down, and the band is booted from the building without a second song. Fucked up. Yeah, I would have really liked to hear people of the sun or uh, Year of the Boomerang, uh, Down Rodeo, something for other than. What Evil, was uh, the first something else track from Evil that they were able to get out? Bulls on Parade. Oh, was it? Mm. Yeah, they play Bulls on Parade, but that's that's Damn. their only SNL performance because they didn't get to do a second song. But
0: see, this is Damn. what's fucked up though. They got booted off for the Upside Down American Flags, and like this is kind of like their shtick, and like this is like what makes them Rage Against the Machine. This would be the equivalent of, like, uh, I don't know, Marilyn Manson getting booted off stage for wearing like his makeup.
1: Well, Tom Morello even said something to that effect. I'm pretty sure he said like, I mean, like they had to have expected that we were going to do something with Steve Forbes as uh, uh, the host. Um, Yeah, they thought it was honestly pretty mild, and they were kind of surprised that they got like booted from the building. I think they said a couple cast members protested, but i think it was just like nope that's a bullshit i
2: think it's amazing too because you figure this is 96 so what do we have the clinton administration in there yep um so i mean obviously america wasn't as tumultuous as it is today but you get to see snl now and you see like alec baldwin like ripping donald trump and just you know totally tearing down like you know the political stereotype and like the amount of like material they're able to provide that's you know, anti establishment, so to speak, because the way they make fun of all the politicians. But, like, see, Ra- I think Rage could get away with that today. Oh, yeah. But in, like, 96, I mean, that just goes to show you, like, it's just with the times. But again, that was a band that you should have clearly expected that something like that to happen. I agree. It was a perfect setup. Rage Against the Machine playing after Steve Forbes hosted. Come on.
1: Yeah, the guy who owns Forbes magazine. Forbes magazine, right? magazine exactly. They <laughs> like,
2: yeah. make lists of the most richest people in the world consistently.
1: Yeah, that's like that's like the magazine version of Wall Street Journal, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Financial info. Yeah.
2: And it's. I think fucking Tom Morello has like a master's in like political science. Like he was actually going to get into politics if he didn't become in a band. So I mean, the guy's smart enough to know like you know everything he writes
1: about and everything he does. Bro,
0: homeboy graduated with fucking Barack Obama. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think he I think he like went to Columbia in Chicago, which is where he was from and then ended up in L.A. And then after the band got famous, he like did did Harvard classes and then he got his like master's in political science from Harvard. Yeah. So, I mean, the man's
2: just not some like mindless moron out there, even Zach Delaroca, like when they like do this like whole act and stuff. I mean, they have substance behind it. That's the one thing I always appreciated about Rage Against the Machine.
0: Speaking of people not being mindless morons, I'm going to flip this. In 2007, Bring Me the Horizons vocalist, Ollie Sykes, appears in court after being accused of urinating on a female fan at one of the band's gigs six days earlier. Due to lack of evidence, charges are later dropped. That's funny. I didn't think think R. Kelly was the fucking singer of Bring Me the Horizon.
1: I was going to make a fucking... uh, Shannon Hoon joke. Fucking all I can say is that my life is pretty plain. <laughs> oh, my uh, god! yeah. I mean... Fucking Shannon Hoon fucking possessed fucking uh, Ollie Sykes that night. It's funny. Yeah. Fucking jumped <laughs> into ridiculous. his body.
0: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> like, this is probably... Like, I don't know. Like, I've never been a big fan of Brewing the Horizon, even though I have liked all that metalcore no. stuff. I just never can get into them. And... Yeah, this just further proves the fact that This I is the like thing. Them.
2: Like 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 Jim Morrison with his whole like public indecency, I mean, you have other artists that at least have the credibility or the stain as the kids would say these days to be able to do things like this. Like you're Ollie Sykes from Bring Me The Horizon. You're nobody. Like you shouldn't be pulling your penis out on stage, bud. Like you're not you're not there yet.
0: Yeah, he hasn't got Yeah, and,
2: and and, like, the fans that go to those shows, I mean, that's, like, think about all the diehard fans that follow Gigi Allen around that knew what to expect. Like, you're going to a Bring Me Horizon show. You're not expecting to see Ollie Sykes' penis and especially get peed on. So, that's, like, a big yeah, fucking Yeah, I no-no.
1: mean, not, yeah, not for nothing, but most of Bring Me the Horizons fans were fucking 14 to 16-year-old
2: Exactly, girls. dude. Exactly. Yeah. So, here, like, to end it with our respective music news, 2015. Dude- what?
1: I was gonna say the dudes of the time were into like uh like August Burns like the people who liked that kind of music were doing like August Burns Red and like Venna and that type that's what the dudes were listening Just to. Just take a picture of Horizon. Skater's Choice in two thousand. All time low. Those were like kind base. of the bands the girls were listening to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just take a picture of all the people that stood around on the edge of the mosh pits at Skater's Choice. That's Bring Me the Horizons fan base right there.
1: Yeah. And I'm not saying there wasn't like crisscrossing, but I'm just saying like bring me the horizon should have known their audience a little better in that. Yeah, you shouldn't be pulling your penis <laughs> out of stage. Ollie Sykes definitely pulled a telephone.
0: Well and foul now they're like that, yeah, they're like a pop kind of band now. Like they're like they're it's not even worse. Anymore.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. it would not for nothing, but it, it's really not too much different than if like Justin Bieber whipped his fucking wiener Pretty out much. and did that. Because it's not Pretty like much. that different yeah, of a age group, gender group crowd, you know, what I yeah. mean? like they dress different. Well, that's you know, something I would fans, expect from
0: Justin Bieber. Similar demographic, his... honestly.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: that's something I would expect from the Biebs right about now, especially with his current state of yeah. mind.
1: Yeah, he's fucking chilling at his. He's like fucking bopping around between his 10 mansions, fucking being like, this is kind of lit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so in 2015 here. 10 music news. See you again. The single by Wiz Khalifa breaks the Spotify record for most stream track in a single day in America when it streamed 4.2 million times.
0: And coincidentally, he only made 14 cents.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of bullshit because, I mean, no, I, I don't know if they that's played the it. In, they must have played it in landmark at least a million of those times. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know if yeah. the 14 cents shit is for real. I just know that Spotify doesn't pay their fucking people shit.
1: I know I saw something where, like, Cake had a song that got, like, 1.3 million streams over the course of, like, a year, and they got, like, 200 bucks. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, that's
2: the thing. We always talk about that with the way streaming is, even with the Billboard charts, as well as how they pay their artists. I mean, nowadays, they're making their money through ticket sales and merch, but if you think about how much money is lost now with the world of streaming that we live in from record sales, it's fucking unbelievable. So, do you guys like this song? what see you again yeah. see you again yeah it's all right I don't, yeah it's not bad i mean wiz yes. Khalifa, his early stuff isn't bad i mean even yeah. going as far back you know now it like 2015 yellow. that was pretty new for him yeah black and yellow yeah i remember when black yeah, and hit. yellow hit the fucking airwaves that shit was all the time too and that oh, still yellow, never yeah. like got old for yeah. me like i never hated that song
1: his his best stuff is is better than his most of his contemporaries honestly yeah Honestly, but he does have some trash.
0: Yeah. The first time I heard this song, See You Again, I watched that Fast and Furious movie, the last one that had Paul Walker, obviously, because Paul Walker had died before the movie was able to be finished and i was like oh my god i got to see the last fucking paul walker fast and the furious movie so i saw it the night that it came out in the theaters and i don't know if either of you had seen fat i think it's fast seven or fast eight i forget now it's, it's before fast and the furious in space um
1: the last one i saw was tokyo drift oh,
0: okay then you're we're far disconnected but um the last scene is like it's Paul Walker's brother with you know the CGI Paul Walker face and like him and fucking Vin Diesel are riding side by side, and like fucking Paul Walker's car like takes a left turn and like drives away from it while this song is playing. I'm not gonna lie, I cried like a fucking baby in the movie theater. Yeah, that's too a fast, good song too furious to really was the best one. With. Dude, that that fucking scene, like I'm not gonna lie, it was just like you know because the first Fast and Furious movie came out in like 2000. So like, you know, I've had yeah. like almost 15 years with these characters and like yeah. obviously Paul Walker's dead and he's never coming back to the series. And just like to watch his character, that was such a huge part of the franchise, like go away. It yeah. was just like, ah, I'm you again. <laughs> and I was there with my buddy Dominic yeah. at the time, dude. And like, like I thought I was like a pussy for crying. I looked over and he was fucking crying 10 times harder than I was.
1: Yeah. The best part of the Fast and the Furious franchise for me is Ludacris. What you gonna do? Act, Act a fool. A fool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Not gonna lie, I listened to that song the other night.
1: I fucking love that shit. That's my. That was a fucking lit, lit
0: music
2: video shit, too.
1: I yeah, yeah early, the man, early rap yeah, yeah.
2: man is just that was like the last of it.
1: Yeah, uh, well that that was when everybody figured out that G Funk was the sound to do. Hell yeah. Everybody was like, all right, we're all just going to do the G-Funk now, and it's all going to be, like, slow and badass and, like, yeah.
0: Yeah, Ludacris was definitely, like, um, I definitely think he was, like, the last of, like, the good Southern rappers. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Like, he was, like. Was Rick Ross after him? Yeah. Rick Ross has some okay stuff. Rick Ross was very good. I'll take Ludacris. I'll take Luda over Rick Ross. Oh, so would I. I think. Hell I yeah.
2: think that's what I was gonna say. I think because um, if you even think like Ti, I mean Ti yeah, Ludacris, had some good stuff. even Nelly, because Nelly came out before them. But then you can go into like um, Slim Thug and like that whole Trillville like scene that came out for a period of time. I remember Paul Wall and shit. Yeah, but they were all from like, <laughs> Texas
0: and shit. Yeah,
2: well, yeah and but they still. Nelly had- only Nelly. had
1: like two good albums.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, what was it, Nellyville and uh fuck.
1: country grammar or whatever, yeah, southern, yeah, that's southern, it. whatever, yeah, yeah.
2: But that's the thing. I mean, like, of all those southern rappers, I mean, like Ti and fucking Ludacris were probably like the top two that were consistent and like have a lot of fucking discography that you can go back and listen to. And
0: now fucking Ludacris doesn't even do music anymore.
1: Well, actually, now we're okay we're we're that. forgetting a major major uh, southern rapper who. That came after all them. Who was bigger than anybody else in like two
2: thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Two thousand seven, two thousand. I don't know. Yeah. Give me, give me, like, can I get a little hint here? Fucking Lil Wayne. Oh shit! Ah, well.
0: Come
1: on. I always thought Lil Wayne was from up north, dude. Though. Lil Wayne was huge.
2: But here's the thing with Lil Wayne though. Lil Wayne was. I'm just good. saying if we're
1: talking about southern rappers, like Lil yeah. Wayne has to be in the mix there. Yeah. Like If we're talking about southern rappers after Ludacris, yeah, I the block is hot, yo. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason,
0: I don't know why, but I always thought fucking Lil Wayne was from like New York or some shit.
1: Nah. Pretty sure he's from the South. Yeah. I mean, like Cash like Money, that whole sure. that
2: whole early scene. Because like, I was actually trying to go back and download Dedication too. Um. Yeah, I, so, he's from the Lil-
1: Southern hip hop group. Hot boys. <laughs>
2: yeah. What was it? Fucking bling bling was like that first song that really like exposed him on the scene. Like before he came He's out from Louisiana. The oh, okay. With- oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Huh?
0: Well, I guess to kind of wrap up, uh, music news here and kind of get into, I guess what is like a main topic. Um, I guess what, since we've been basically locked up for almost two months now, what have you guys been doing to like get through these times?
2: Music and movies. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is like I'm still in online school. Like my semester ends um, mid-May OK, Um. so obviously, like I'm looking at virtual bowling pins and like I have to like click and drag and like set them up. I have like time limits on how I do Simulators it. I really don't stuff. understand how this is. Yeah, I don't understand how this is going to translate to the real world because that's not how I'm going to do it. But they need to fill the time like I have to finish and they have to continue to provide an education some way. So kind of getting a freebie here because I'm just setting. virtual <laughs> pins. What about like, like they, bowling? there's like a. I have to do that from time to time. I actually, like, as quiz grades, I have to break a 250. Oh, shit. Um, and then submit it to my professors, But which which is okay, because I've been wee bowling since it came out in, like, the early 2000s. I mean, I had a 300 one day. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm up to the challenge, I guess you could say. But, like, Connor, aside from that, I mean, Netflix is fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it- I
1: ran... Ran yeah. through the new season of Ozark. I ran yeah. through both seasons of Secession. Um, so, saw the new Jane, Silent Bob movie. That yeah. was good. I watched I uh, man, red man in it. I watched Three
2: from Hell the other day. That new Rob Zombie flick. I was like the it? sequel to d- yeah, it. Was, was fucking. It, all right, put it this way it was it's good? like, I'll, I'll, no, it's not that good. Oh, shit. I'm not gonna lie, uh-huh. it's very outlandish the storyline is very generic it's like if it wasn't for sherry moon zombie in that dude i fucking would never have watched it like even otis's character is like pretty decent in it but they're the, the, the gore in it it's like so forced like i feel like i feel like devil's rejects and house of a thousand corpses were just old school like especially house of a thousand corpses had that real 80s horror yeah, there's vibe. no denying devil's that rejects at all Oh, yeah. And even Devil's Rejects was like a great action horror film. This movie was like the same thing as the way I treat The Force Awakens, which was or not The Force Awakens, The Rise of Skywalker, the last Star Wars movie that was released. It's like we don't really have a storyline, but we have the characters. So let's make a movie with them. You know, it was kind of just like we're just throwing things out there for entertainment and not giving really any art to making a film whatsoever. Hmm. It was, it, yeah. That's, I mean, the benefit was it was, it was free on the Shutter app. So I was able to watch it for free because at one point it did cost money and I almost paid for it to stream it. Luckily, I waited because again, I'll probably never watch it again. Like I've seen House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects multiple times. This movie, I'll probably never watch again, to be
1: honest with you.
0: That sucks. That really does because yeah. have
1: you guys caught any, um, live streams?
0: Yeah. Actually, on, um, uh, St. Patrick's Day, fucking Dropkick Murphys did a concert on uh, live stream on YouTube, and that was pretty fucking tight.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: It was actually like really good. I guess I guess their rehearsal space kind of like doubles as like a stage or whatever, or maybe they were in a rehearsal room, and uh, dude, it sounded fucking incredible, and it was just it, it was, you know, I don't know if you guys are fans of Dropkick Murphys at all, but I, I fucking loved it.
1: Nah.
2: I just saw him live uh, in December. Yeah, they open, played with the, the Misfits, Misfits and Agnostic Front. Yeah,
0: that and uh, yeah, Metallica has been doing live streams every Monday.
2: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, not to harp on Bush, but uh, Gavin Rosdale did one or two, and I uh, I, can, I, don't, I forget if he was wearing like the same shirt. I think they were two different ones, but <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> dude, he's yeah. he's part of the '90s scene.
2: He's trying to set a new trend where you don't have to change your shirt every day. That, or maybe it's his live yeah, stream shirt.
1: True grunge. Yeah.
2: true grunge, true Gavin grunge. Gavin Rosdale carrying the torch because Pearl Jam's totally fine with Gigaton.
1: That that song "Old" has been getting me through, man. That's that. Well, it got me through this week. Like I heard that I never heard it before, and I was just yeah. like jamming on it all week. And then it kind of got me into like a little Bush kick. Yeah. And it's like when you have a band where you're just like on a kick and like you're just dying to listen to their shit. Like that's that keeps you real occupied.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that too, the thing is like having the time, you know, because like my whole like schooling setup, it's like I'm virtually doing nothing with the unemployment system increasing and not having to work. I mean, things are kind of just where you have so much free time. The one thing is, is like now you can like listen to full albums more on a regular basis instead of getting a couple songs in and having to do something or, you know, just checking one song out from a new album and then waiting to listen to it later because me and my girl, like, she goes on Reddit all the time and looks for, like, underground metal or, like, black metal, death metal, whatever, because I'm, like, all things metal. Yeah. So she'll send me, like, four or five albums of bands I've never heard of that'll relate to, like, other bands, and, like, I'll look up, like, wow, this guitarist was actually in Morbid Angel. Wow, this guy actually drummed for Incantation. Like, so, I, you know, I get opportunities now to listen to, like, way more fucking music. And like full albums, because that's the thing. Like going back to Razorblade Suitcase, I never gave that album a chance. Like I knew Swallowed. I mean, I've obviously heard that song. Swallowed. But yeah, it's now, easy
1: to not give. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's easy I've to got, not give
1: that album a chance. Yeah,
2: I totally overlooked it, and like I was able to just kind of put it on and just sit here and like scroll my computer and you know smoke and just listen. And it's fucking, it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Music is definitely passing the time. Nice.
0: I um. I was deemed an essential employee by the state of New Jersey, so yeah. it's pretty much just life is normal except come home and don't go anywhere because we have a curfew at 8 o'clock, and pretty much there's no real time to do anything once I get home from work because I'm basically home at like 4, 4.30 every day, so what am I going to do in three and a half hours? Fucking leave my house to have to turn back around to come home after I get done working all day? So yeah, me and Netflix have become very good friends with the uh, me and the wife become very good friends with Netflix. Um, started watching Lucifer, which I really got into. I really enjoy it. Um, we have Disney Plus. So I just watched that movie Onward. The one that has. Uh, oh, my God,
2: dude. I just watched that two days ago. What did you think about it, dude? Because honestly, Bro, it was fucking excellent. I
0: thought it was good, but I don't feel like I would watch it again willingly.
2: No, I think it, 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 all right, so you you ever seen the movie Inside Out? Yeah, I loved Inside Out. All right, so it's like that to me, but on like a more generic scale. I think the storyline, because like, you know, the kid lost his father, and he wants to, the whole movie, he wants to see his dad. Yeah. And I'm not going to spoil the ending, but the ending to me was way more realistic than I would ever expect from a Pixar or any Disney film. Yeah,
0: I well, honestly, like, I thought the you ending don't get was the exactly, best part.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I think that ending made it so satisfying. But, yeah, the movie itself, there were a lot of, like, moments. Like, Inside Out, to me, the whole movie all the way through. Like, Toy Story all the way through. Even the new Toy Story. Um... But yeah, I thought it was good, man, because I watched it with my nephews. My nephews have been coming over here, and one of them's four. So Disney Plus has been on repeat. Like he had never seen Star Wars, so lucky for me, we got to watch every single Star uh. Wars, which he paid attention for maybe five minutes per movie to. Hey,
0: but it was good for yeah, me at least because was there. he would fall
2: asleep, and I yeah, I would get to fucking watch Star Wars by myself, which I would do on my own time. Kids here or not, I don't give a shit. I'll watch Star Wars all day. But um, but yeah, we watched Onward, and he didn't pay attention. And I wound up watching the whole thing, and I was like, all right, pretty fucking good. Yeah, like I said,
0: I I thought it was pretty decent, but it's one of those movies to where I'm not going to be like, oh, you know what? I'm bored. Let's put on Onward and watch this again. But if it's on TV, I'll be like, "Ah, all right, I'll sit down and watch it. Um, Yeah, that's
2: the perfect way to explain it. I watched uh, uh,
0: Ford versus Ferrari back when all this shit first started. And, um, bro, let me tell you, fucking, if you... Ever thought that Matt Damon was like good in a role, or if you ever thought Christian Bale was good in a role, wait until you watch this fucking flick, dude, because it's the best, the best fucking like acting that them two have ever done, in my opinion. Well, I
1: like, have you ever seen Empire of of the Sun? Say what, Bill? Have you ever seen Empire of the Sun?
0: Uh, I don't think so. If I did, I don't remember
1: anything. Christian Bale's, like, a little kid in it in China in, like, the 40s when the war breaks out.
0: Maybe once, dude, or maybe I saw a piece of it because something like that's ringing a bell, but I can't, I really can't remember anything. It's a
1: Steven Spielberg movie. It's from the 80s.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, and, like, with Matt Damon, um, he's, like, a hit or miss actor, but if you go to, like, talk about movies like Rounders. for instance, bill We've discussed that movie, but then there's also, like, Rainmaker, the John Grisham book that was turned movie where he plays the lawyer. Um, Have you guys seen Dogma? Fucking
1: dogma's fucking
2: excellent. Yeah, dude, fucking. Uh, yeah, dogma. Shit.
1: <laughs> the Dogma's probably my favorite. Son Bob. Really? Yeah, I.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would actually arguably agree with that. That I'm, between that and Mallrats, I'm actually between actually that even and chasing, chasing Amy. Amy. Yeah. Yeah, chasing Amy. Yeah, Dogma's I mean, my.
1: So. Fa- dogma's my favorite. Then probably Clerks. Then chasing Amy. Then Mallrats. Then yeah. The, I then think Jane all four Bob those Strikes movies, Back.
2: I think Kevin Smith movies the way I can compare it is like Alice and Chains albums. It all depends on like my mood for that year, and like one of them will become my favorite <laughs> for the time being. You Yo, know, like
1: at those some, like huh? those early um, Jane Saw Bob movies had great soundtracks oh, too. Fuck oh fuck yeah, Clerks um, had
0: a good ass soundtrack. Clerks had
1: like a, it had that great cover of Go Your Own Way on it. It had oh, yeah. uh, Got, Me Wrong. Got Me Wrong by Alice and Chains. Mallrats yeah. had. Non-album tracks from Weezer and uh, Bush. Um, yeah. yeah, he has great soundtracks. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. I would probably say arguably Dogma is probably one or two. Some, yeah, like, Dogma. Chasing, I think Chasing Amy is just like more of that like complete Kevin Smith movie. That's like less of like you know kind of sati- like satirical comedy where it's like a real real like honest movie. Yeah. But like Dogma is just. It's there's so many great actors and they're all like still in their prime and it's just it's so fucking oh, yeah. funny. It's just it's, it's hard an to all star guest. Yeah, yeah.
1: Fucking I would say Dogma George to Carlin, is just like the Matt Damon, to... Ben Affleck. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rock, fucking yes. Salma Hayek. So good. just goes on and on. Yeah. yeah,
0: but um, I guess to kind of round out like everything else that has been getting me through all this, I mean obviously it sucks that it took us until now to be able to do episodes like this, because if I knew that we had the capabilities of doing this remotely, we would have been doing a lot more episodes, but, um, you know, like obviously like the interviews and shit that I've been doing and like the hanging with bill sessions with, you know, RJ from Alaka and Paul Bartolome from England and shit like that. And, um, yeah. So to kind of conclude this thing, man, um, you know we we have a lot of shit that's been getting us through here, and now we're gonna suggest shit to get you guys through because that's what we do here, at Average Against the Mainstream Podcast. And what I'm referring to is our personal suggestions of the week. My suggestion for this week is to check out the single from Paul Bartolome's new release called Not Okay. He released it on the show, and it's become a staple on my Spotify playlist. And actually by the time when this episode airs, you're going to have eleven more days until the album Screaming Through the Radio gets released via Legend Recordings. So yeah, go on Spotify and check out Not Okay by Paul Bartolome.
1: Nice. Got you got anything, Steve?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna recommend the nineteen ninety five album Liquid Swords by Jizza. Track yeah. I'm recommending is track seven, fourth chamber, featuring RZA, Ghostface, and Kill a Priest. Nice. That's a that's
1: that's like maybe my second favorite solo Wu Tang album.
2: It's so fucking good, dude.
1: To Cal by the first one I met the man's probably my favorite, but that yeah, Shadow Box is
2: great, Liquid Swords, yeah, but Fourth Chambers is my shit right now.
1: Cold World is probably my favorite on uh, Liquid Swords. Sweet, yeah, hell yeah. What do you got? Um, find? I got um three days or uh, three years, five months and two days in the life of by Arrested Development, and the highlight track I've got is Tennessee.
0: Nice, nice.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great album that really doesn't get any uh props anymore. And it was like there would be no outcast, no goody mob without any any of uh the rest of development influence. Sweet. word. And word. our group suggestion
0: this week is since you know we're trying to keep within this thirty minute-ish time slot, we're not gonna be doing movie reviews. However, we are going to still recommend things for you, whether they be music related movies or documentaries or not our suggestion for you this week is to check out the series ozark um absolutely now it's kind of funny because we were just talking about it a little bit ago and it's you know like i am interested in watching it and connor and steve are both in depth with it and they're actually involved with the series so it is going to be kind of cool to have all three of us watching the same show
2: the best way to really explain when I first started watching this show, everybody has an idea of like Jason Bateman and like comedies, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and you get to see him like in a role where he's serious, and like there is like dark humor in it at times, but it's a very serious storyline and like very good drama action esque type film. I mean the, he, I mean he's like a smart guy. I mean basically he's money laundering for. I mean, how it's, I don't really want to give it away, but you get to really see, like, range. Like, I remember when, like, Jim Carrey did, like, the movie 23, and it was fucking terrible. Yeah. You know, because you just have, you know, it's like Will Ferrell. If you try to do a serious movie, you can't really take it that serious. But Jason Bateman's able to take this role, and it's fucking believable. Like, it's a really well-done series. Nice. In my opinion. Yeah. So, um.
1: Yeah. yeah. I used to live in the Ozarks, so for me, it's kind of cool. Oh, uh, hits home. That's yeah.
2: awesome. Wow. Well, that's fucking... Fun. And I'm that's actually only true, one degree... Fun fact for Connor there. I had no idea.
1: I used to... Uh, and Well, and um, I'm only one degree of separation from the show as well because um, I know someone who uh, dates someone who was on the show in the first season. So. Oh, shit.
0: That's cool. Word. Word.
1: Yeah. I'm only one degree of separation from Ozark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice well on that note this is another episode in the books this has been the first episode of the quarantine chronicles make sure you tune back in next week because as long as this quarantine is happening we're going to be putting these episodes out until we're able to get in person again and,
2: and touch each other Yeah, and
0: touch each other and um yeah Bill. <laughs> um um <laughs> As always, you can get us on our social medias at facebook.com slash RATMPodcast. Our Instagram and Twitters are at RATMPodcast. And as always, our email is open and ready for your hot, juicy submissions and your critiques and your your band, you know, whatever you want to promote, you can get us at podcast at gmail.com. But... Until then, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. I'm Bill.
1: I'm Connor. I'm Steve. Have
0: a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.
1: You know, keeping up with what's going on in the world can sometimes feel like it's more trouble than it's worth. The news can be scary and make you want to scream. Or there's just simply too much out there to keep up with. But that's why there's the Assorted Goods podcast. It's the Amateur's Guide to World Events, where each episode we take a closer look at a collection of stories that slip through the cracks of the regular news cycle. So, find Assorted Goods on whatever podcast app you use, and join me in my attempts to learn a little more about the world, one story at a time.